Welcome to The Summit with your co-hosts, Jeremy Turman and Andrew March. The Summit uncovers the true drive and motivation that makes people successful. We talk with amazing individuals to break down how they define success, choose their goals, and their decision-making process as they climb their mountains. Welcome to the second episode of The Summit Podcast. We are excited to recap a fantastic first episode with Brendan Thomas today. On today's episode, we do want to thank our sponsor, Fitzby, an athleisure company designed to re-inspire and further facilitate your on-the-go lifestyle. Check out Fitzby at fitzby.com, F-I-T-S-P-I.com, and use code THESUMMIT30 for 30% off. Brendan is a director of enterprise partnerships at DoorDash, and he was able to walk through and explain fantastic techniques on how to set goals, achieve goals, understand if you need to pivot between going from a financial institution to a startup, how do you even evaluate that process? And today we're really excited to talk about kind of two core themes that Brendan hit on, which are being effective and being comfortable in discomfort. And with that, Andrew, kick us off. Yeah, right on. Well, um, from the get-go, I could definitely relate to Brendan because we both shared a, a similar path after school, which was getting into a financial institution. You know, he worked for JP Morgan. Um, I worked for uh, an investment bank after college. And so I think there was that immediate, that immediate connection in our similar backgrounds. And I think he had a great story to share, to be honest. You know, it was a lot of, um, you know, really good gems in terms of his thought process around how he transitioned from finance and went into startups and his, his reasons why I thought it was really interesting. And, you know, I think people that are in a position to, um, you know, look at a a shift, you know, could learn a lot from listening to that podcast, but, you know, we can recap it here on this, on this conversation as well. So. For sure. I think, you know, for those out there that are working at the same company for five, 10 plus years, you know, sometimes you get that feeling of, is it too late to switch? You know, Brendan had been at JP for three, four years. So he's getting to a point where he had that clear path in mind and he truly had to gut check himself and say, you know, I'm not motivated to go work for a financial institution. You know, I want to go look at golfing companies. I want to look at Lululemon and Nike because, you know, he's an athlete and he loves that apparel and, you know, really exploring a process of, you know, being with brands that you care about like, would make him more effective and bring him uh, better joy in, in actually wanting to do the day-to-day of the job. Totally. Well, I think there's one thing that stood out when he was talking about um, how he perceived his role in a large organization and how it was very apparent that things moved very slowly, very methodically, it was almost, as he described it, there was no way to fail. There were so many systems in place to prevent failure, which are just magnified at a financial institution like JP Morgan that has to protect against various types of risks. But it was interesting to hear him reflect on how that system, that structure made it um, very easy to see how all of his actions didn't have a very large scale impact. Um, you know, a lot of processes to get anything approved from the small to the large decisions. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the relatability with that is just feeling frustration that what you're doing doesn't matter. 
right? Like you're in a role and you're working hard, you know, you're trying to do your best, but there is an element of ineffectiveness where you just kind of throw your hands up and it's like, you know, what am I doing? I, I mean, I felt the same way when I worked at Verizon, you know, I, I, when, when I was a freshman in college, I put my resume in the Mizzou career fair and sure enough, I ended up getting an internship with Verizon after some, some interviews and I sat there and, you know, went through the training and, and spent a year in a retail store and then another year in another retail store. And I said, like, this is going to be my life. Like, I'm just going to come and be a you know, retail sales rep, work for five years, then become a assistant manager and then become a general manager and run a store. And it's like, do I just want to sit here and just be in this massive entity and scale? And, you know, I said, no, like I needed a change and that's where, I got the chance to actually pivot to their B2B division. And that's where I saw, you know, my skills take off is as soon as I switched from retail to business to business was a massive shift. Um, and just the, the day-to-day and requirements of the job. And so being able to say, put the line in the sand, this is not going to be good for me anymore. If I do another year of this, I'm not going to grow. So I need to grow. So there needs to be a change and kind of realignment, realigning the goal process you know, the, my path on the journey on that mountain for retail after, after that second summer was like, there needed to be a new mountain to climb. Totally. And I think there's an, there's an appeal to the adventure associated with the unknown, right? And that unknown can be like you're saying, like going into new business unit um, that has a lot of opportunity to stretch yourself and your goals and that, that sense of adventure is very appealing to a lot of people, not all people. You know, there are a lot of personality assessments out there that can tell you what type of personality you have. But, um, you know, I think for yourself, myself and Brendan, you know, we'd probably fall into the category of adventurous type people. And whether that's found outdoors, outside of the office, you know, going and doing exciting things or being, you know, involved in exciting professional pursuits, I think it's, uh, you know, it's all equally valid where, when you're at a point in your career, you know, let's just take, for example, what you're saying about Verizon, you know, you can see with a high degree of clarity what the next 35 years of your life looks like. And that ability to see that is kind of like seeing the end of the, the end of a book or the end of a movie, you know, spoiler alert, here's where you're going to be in 35 years, you know, it kind of demystifies the, uh, the the process and the sense of adventure yeah the, so, the, path, the path along the way if you know okay well this is the view at the top of the mountain then why am i even climbing it like if i can just see this now like is it really going to be worthwhile to to do that and i think you know to being effective you know going back to if you are passionate about what you do you are so you're going to be so much more effective in the day-to-day because you're going to care more if you care about the product or the, the business, the element of the job that you're in, how you impact, whether it's, you know, sales, HR, operations, management, leadership, you know, if, if you're in a role that you enjoy, you will be more effective. And I loved hearing his, you know, ask my mom what my favorite class in college was. And it was the, the, the class where there were no PowerPoints. They had the chalkboard, you know, behind me, I have my whiteboard and I have to be in an environment where, I need to be creative. I can just say, Hey, let's just jump on a whiteboard and do this. 
Let's hop on a Zoom and just get creative. And knowing that I need to be in an environment that encourages that type of culture, like will allow me to be as effective as possible. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, you know, riffing on that, when you know what you want, you can be more effective. You know, I think if you combine knowing what you want with your enthusiasm for what it is that you're pursuing, um, you have a much higher degree of decisiveness because the things that don't align with where you're trying to go become a distraction, you know, and part of being effective is knowing what will and will not get you towards your goals. And also, you know, not only just seeing it black and white, what will get you towards your goals, what won't get you towards your goals, but a combination of, you know, what will get you there faster or slower or, um, you know, will help you or hinder you, you know? And so like the, can't see it because we're discussing it, but imagine a, a quadrant, you know, a, a two by two box, you know, with four separate components and there's on one axis, you have urgent tasks. And then on another axis, you have importance, you know? So what you're trying to look at is the four quadrants are, there's something that's important and urgent, which is basically like, do it now. You have things that are important, but not urgent, which means it's got to get done, just not in the moment. And then you have unimportant tasks that are not urgent, which means get rid of those things. It's taking up mental bandwidth that just, it should not be occupying. And then you have unimportant tasks that are urgent. These could be trivial emails that have to be responded to, you know, and they have to be dealt with, but maybe not right now, or maybe they do have to be dealt with right now. And so, you know, yeah, that, so that, down. yeah I mean, Brent, Brendan talked about the seven habits of highly effective people. That chart that you were describing is, is in that book. And it, it, it is something that Brendan and I and, and others in our company talk about all the time. You know, everything is a fire to our partners at times. You know, if, if photos are not live on a platform, like that's a fire. But internally, if we have 20 people saying that same thing, you have to prioritize. And I think it's also a self-reflection of, you know, some things need to be eliminated. And I think that's a super hard part of you know, being in either a client-facing role and or that like feeling of, I need to just get this done because someone asked me, you know, either delegate it, plan to do it at a different time, you know, work with the team and see if you could, you could work with someone to do it together. You know, you truly have to gut check yourself, whether it's a weekly or monthly basis and say, like, am I really doing the most important and, and most urgent things that impact my day to day to help you be successful? Because if you spend your time in that not urgent, not important, but all day, you're just working on tasks that are not moving you forward. You're going to look back three months from now and say, why have I not had progress? And it's, totally. you're not focusing on the right priorities. Totally. And I think this is a very commonly observed scenario where when you're talking with people, they're like, oh my God, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I can't do anything. So I, I don't know where I heard it, but there was a, a line that I heard one time and it's like, no, you're not busy. You're just not making time for the things that actually matter. You know, there's no such thing as being too busy. It's just 
being ineffective at prioritizing what matters. And, you know, that is where, um, you know, there was another great line that I heard from Ray Dalio, who's a very famous um, business hedge fund manager. And he talks about, you can have virtually anything you want in life, but not everything. There's only a finite amount of time that we have. And I think that speaks to um, the element of discomfort, right? You know, there's this whole FOMO movement. People want to do everything. And sometimes the hard thing to do, and it doesn't feel good, but is saying no, you know, saying no. So being comfortable in discomfort, whether it's a growth opportunity or saying no to things that don't align with where you're trying to go. Yeah, I think when you, you know, being effective at what you do allows you to then take that next step into the uncomfortable. And Brendan talked about, you know, taking whether it's a new role or it is a, you know, new company, you know, sometimes it, it, you don't know what to do and you're too afraid to take that step and potentially fail. But if you know what you're chasing and you know what the end state is, failing can allow you to learn. So taking that first step into that uncomfortable moment is going to allow you to feel more comfortable. Because if you trust yourself, you trust the process that you're going to execute on to get to that next step, you will get more comfortable over time, but you have to take, you know, the first step of saying, I know I can move forward. This next step forward is going to be a little uncomfortable, but if I can take that first step forward, then it's going to lead me on the path to be more successful. 100%. You know, and I think failure gets um, a variety of bad raps or it gets promoted in a way that I personally don't think is really effective. There's this whole, you know, startup movement, fail fast, you know, failure is great. Failure is not great. Like fail, failing is not great. Like, let's just take this in a very simple to understand, um, you know, example, you have a personal net worth and you make some bad decisions investing and you lose 50% of your personal net worth. Is that a good element of failure? No. Yeah, you might have learned something from it, but the ability to recoup that could be uh, pretty challenging, if not impossible. And so it's like, what is good is failing well if you're going to be failing at all, which means how do you take a methodical approach to understanding what is going to lead to failure or not, and then seek to, um, you know, isolate the things that you can control, even if they're challenging or they create an element of discomfort, um, and then the other part of failure that I think people get too wrapped up in is um, perfectionism. You know, they're trying to be something to somebody else. And by not failing, they're living up to some, you know, mental concoction of like, oh, well, I'm not failing. I'm doing my best. Um, but, you know, there's an element of taking risk and failing in the micro to succeed in the macro. You know, micro failures. And there's some key things that if you look at the absolute foundation of being effective, of being able to take that first step of discomfort is, is process and internal management. You know, I am very rigorous. I would love you, Andrew, in a second to share about your daily routines, but I know before the next day starts, I've seen my entire calendar. I know what to expect so I can mentally prepare. If I have a, you know, pitch with the, an executive team, I know what, what information I'm going to cover. 
the numbers have already been run. I know that talk track. If I have an open day, I know in my head already, I want to start planning these projects and put blocks on my calendar to be able to do so. So by able to, like my process that I've established allows me to be more comfortable doing things that are, you know, talking to executives at companies is not the easiest thing for, for some people. And definitely there's times where you want to be that perfect, but because of the process that I have knowing how each day is going to be like, I'm comfortable saying, well, even if this is a difficult task, I have an internal process that's allowing me to be successful. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you mentioned something that's super important is process in routine and discipline. Um, to share, you know, what's worked for me is my most successful days are when I have honored the commitments to myself to run through my morning process. That is waking up on time, which is influenced by when I go to bed. It's writing in my gratitude journal. What am I thankful for? What are my top three most important tasks for the day? There are 50 for sure, but what are the top three? You know, can I prioritize them effectively? What are the goals for the week? So I could get that bird's eye view, not get caught up in the worm's eye view. And then what is the intention that I have each and every day so that I can direct my mind to focus on the most important tasks, give me a sense of mental calm when there is a lot of chaos throughout the day. Um, and then at the end of the day, I have two additional things that I write in. Um, one is what can I improve? So doing this little after action report where it's like a reflection on the day. And then what did I do? Well, you know, as much as I need, like for my personality type, it's very easy to be objective and critical, but I need to balance that out with something that is more positive. And that's what can I do better each and every day? And then what are things, Hey, a little pat on the back, you know, what, what I did, what did I do well? And I wish I could just show you the stack of papers, but, you know, I probably have like 30 or 40 papers right now in my desks of just every single day that I've written on this daily planner that I've created for myself. And those are the days where I feel like I'm the most effective. Yeah, I think when we were scheduling the time for today, you asked if, if we could change the time and I sent a screenshot of my calendar and the first meeting was starting at 8 a.m. And you said, well, where's the 6 to 8 a.m.? And <laughs> and. <laughs> I laugh because I'm like, hey, you know, some people are able to take that 6 to 8 a.m. And, and begin executing, which, you know, I, I've been using that time for emails. But Andrew, like, how do you, like, I can't get myself to write on a piece of paper every day, nor journal. Those are things that I, I'm aware that are successful behaviors of effective people are being able to take that process outside of their head and put it on the paper. Like, is it because you've done it so many days in a row that you're like, I just have to do this because I've, I've been doing it? Like what, what, what keeps you moving to, to keep so consistent? So there, I would, I'm a, I'm a man of focus and inertia. And so when I get going, I'm an unstoppable force, but I'm not going to lie. Like there are definitely days where it's challenging and I have turned it into a process. There are days where I'll miss a morning, I'll miss a step in my morning routine, but it goes back to getting comfortable with discomfort there is always something commanding my attention. It is begging for my attention, whether it's the news, a phone call, a text, um, an email from a client or my business partner or anything. And it's just getting comfortable with discomfort. 
taking a pause and just doing it. And it's just trusting in the process. I think, you know, to kind of zoom out is I've architected this life algorithm, right? And if I follow that algorithm, it just helps me, you know, justify the time that I spend. It keeps me honest. It keeps me effective. Um, and the more that I do it, the more that it proves to, to produce results that I want. And so that, that's a positive reinforcing loop that kind of keeps me going. I, I definitely hear you there. And I have strived so much to be for myself from a process standpoint, inbox zero, like I hate seeing uh, like emails. So even if I need to assign it to a folder that says action items that, that I know I need to do, but not seeing that five in the inbox or that 15 in the inbox. And same with text messages. Like when people text me, I want to respond or I get a slack and I just want to respond. And Katie is, you know, she, she advises me like, it's okay not to respond immediately. And so that's something where I look at like my effectiveness is it is great to always be able to respond at all times of the day, email, Slack, text message. But is, am I truly being effective? Probably not because I am allowing myself to be distracted to, to make sure I text someone back right away or to make sure that I reply to someone's Slack because I just want to have that, oh, I can get it done immediately. But I probably should be practicing on, you know, give myself 10 minutes of an hour where it's like, hey, in this time, if someone texts or someone slacks, I can reply right away. But even if I'm not busy, I need to reserve that other 50 minutes to, you know, be process oriented, like start accomplishing the things on the to-do list versus saying, oh, well, I can do this for two minutes and this for two minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you have an amazing level of self-awareness. You know, I think when we're talking about effective people, um, you know, part of it is the element of self-awareness, right? Like what you're sharing is, you know, what people can, can strive to work on, you know, is nobody is perfect. Even the most successful people, you know, if they're honest, will share their shortcomings or their, um, perceived inadequacies. And at the end of the day, it's just all about forward progress and seeking to change what you can. But um, yeah, I, th I, you know, really admire the fact that you can share that where it's like, Hey, you know, here's some things where I, you know, could work on it. But I think it ties know. into, it ties into just being, you know, uncomfortable I'm, in order to change the behaviors that you have to be more effective. And this kind of, you know, ties in, with our podcast theme of being effective and having comfort in this discomfort is if you can truly recognize an area for change that you know is going to get better, the first time you try to execute that, it's going to feel uncomfortable. When I tried changing my golf swing and I had to hold the golf club with my hands differently, it felt so awkward. But after, you know, three, four times at the range, every time I pick up the club and I hold it, in, in the new position, it just feels like normal because I spent the time being uncomfortable. Now I got comfortable. Now I'm more effective. I'm hitting the ball smoother. And so everything from sports to professional to personal, you know, if you're able to recognize that change, take the, you know, weeks, months, that time of discomfort, you're going to be more comfortable. You're going to be more effective. Yep. Well, you know, in in, uh, in some parting words, what would you, what piece of advice would you give to some people if they can't listen to the entire episode with Brendan, 
you know, what are a couple of key takeaways that somebody listening now could think about maybe implement in their own life, or at least just take a mental meal on it and think about and, you know, go from there. For sure. So I think, you know, recapping our, our last, our first episode, last episode with Brendan, you know, the first is if you're not in something that you love, figure out how to love it or figure out what would be a business in place to work at afterwards. You know, you need to make income, but you need to make sure that if you're not happy to do the job, you, you need to find a path to be happy because you're not going to be as effective and it's, you're always going to be having this cloud above your head. I think the second key thing that Brennan talked about is, you know, being able to delineate between what is that long-term goal and the short-term goal and like what's actually realistic in attaining that. We talked about like going to this, you know, f- uh, Olympic competition in Hawaii and he's like, well, that, that Ironman in Hawaii, like you have to run a, a marathon and an Ironman before even qualifying. So yeah, it's like, oh, I know what that long-term goal is, but you need to accomplish something in that short term. And, you know, I think what parlayed us into this conversation today is truly being uncomfortable, like being uncomfortable. He talked about when he gets on the, the start line of a, of a marathon, he's tingling. He's tingling for like being nervous, but also excited. And as soon as, you know, the, the gun goes off to start the race, you know, all that discomfort and anxiety is just gone. And now it's like time, time to accomplish this. So very fascinating. Listen, um, Brendan is a, a, a good friend and a strong business professional that, you know, if, if you are out there and need advice, you know, feel free to, to message him. I'm sure he'll be all ears and willing to help as, as much as he can. Awesome. Well, I think that was an awesome recap and um, super valuable points. So until next time, keep on summiting. Keep on climbing, climbers. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you have questions, feedback, and ideas for future episodes, please email us at summitpodcasts at gmail.com. Again, that's summitpodcasts, plural, at gmail.com. Or message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Summit Podcasts. Thanks so much and keep on climbing.